Hey, Che. Frank T. here, the Roleplay Rescue fanboy. Just wanted to say, and maybe I say this too much, uh, thank you for continuing to do your podcast. You know, uh, I am totally inspired by what you do. And the GM's Journal is probably my favorite. I want to thank you for sort of bearing all. And, um, you know, I, I know that, you know, you, you record throughout the week and it's both dramatic as well as inspiring to hear the ups and downs because we all have them. And it reminds me that everything's going to be okay. But it's also inspired me to go back to my own podcast and use it for the original intent, which was a very similar journal for um, all of my patrons. Welcome to the Roleplay Rescue Game Master's Journal. My name is Che Webster, and I'll be taking you behind the scenes of my own Game Master journey. Each journal episode features my audio notes recorded here and there over the weeks between my regular gaming sessions. It's a pretty candid snapshot of my inner life as a gamer, so you have been warned. Game on. One of the things that I thought of doing uh, when I started my own Anchor podcast was using it as a daily journal to talk about the projects that I'm working on. And originally, I thought, well, this would be a good way of advertising my Patreon. And now I feel like, although that may be a secondary motive, a primary motive is really just being able to journal my thoughts on the things that I'm working on and creating. And, you know, I, I think that some of that was definitely motivating a lot of my er earlier liner notes. And I sort of got away from that because one of the things that I have to deal with is the analysis paralysis of wondering, is this something that people really want to hear? Frank T there from Frank T's liner notes. Dude, thanks for calling in. It's really good to hear from you and encouraging. I want to say this. Yes, please journal your thoughts. I really like listening to your your thoughts and especially like the one this week about, you know, getting your kids into GMing. Um, but hey, thank you. I guess journaling is really helpful to me. I guess I feel like it really helps me to work out my ideas, to say them out loud. And after, what are we now, 11 episodes now, I feel like I'm finally starting to sort of feel comfortable with it, uh, a little bit more comfortable with it, and less self-conscious. But I also noticed I started listening back, and I noticed that um, I started talking to you guys, I started talking to the audience instead of sort of to myself. I don't know quite when that happened, but um, and you know what? Having an audience in some ways, having people you know are going to listen to what you're going to say kind of keeps you honest um so i 
I found that it kind of keeps me doing things in the week. You know, if I don't prep, I have nothing to say. And I'm sort of feeling like it's a good kind of pressure, I suppose, to know that there's a bunch of people who want to hear the next bit. They want to hear what you've been doing, you know, doing nothing all week. Um, kind of, uh, I know it lets down my game is at the table, so it also sort of lets down my audience. Um, I know it sounds really narcissistic and terrible, probably, but, you know, it's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me motivated. So, Frank, please, yeah, you know, we want to hear what you have to say. Um, and, guys, if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, please, like anything I'm doing or you have ideas about what I'm doing, or even if you hate it, actually, <laughs> um, please do call in. Please give me your feedback because hearing from Frank, you know, and being able to sort of throw these comments into the episodes and respond to them, that is really good for me as well. It's really positive for me. Um and it encourages me, and it helps me. So, you know, do it. It's Saturday morning. What a week. I went back to work on Tuesday, and uh, that was a pretty good day at work. Back to school, really good teaching. Wednesday I thought was going to be an easy day, but 11 o'clock, oh my God, stuff hit. Um, I'm not going to get into the details, but basically Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, completely wiped out. And the truth is that other than musing on Tuesday morning into my microphone, I have basically done no hobby this week. And that feels terrible. <laughs> it really does. But then again, it has been a week filled with thoughts. I've been doing a lot of reading. Like, I say a lot. I've done some reading, like in the half an hour before I fall asleep at night. I try to not be looking at screens and I try instead to grab a book, a paper thing and read it for, um, until I feel too tired. And I usually get about 20 minutes, half an hour before I fall asleep uh, because I'm so shattered. And I've been reading and that's been good. So there's been some thoughts going on and actually what's been going on mostly in my head is thinking. And so much so that this morning I got up and I posted to my blog. Yay, I didn't have to force it either. It kind of just happened. It was like one of those, I'm back and I know what to write. Um, and so some of what I'm probably about to say re- relates to that, that blog post, which was, you know, what is it? It's April the 27th. Um, I was thinking about how over the years, ever since I got into gaming, I wanted, I wanted my own world, you know, and, and people who know me now, I've created four or five. Mr. Mir was my most recent and then in the whole day just gone. You know, if you're listening to last last episode, you heard me start on a new one, but um, that kind of got put on hold, and I guess that's fine. But today, I sat down and I was seriously working through the thought experiment because the question in my head has been: if I had one world and I played it using one rule system, and I had the objective that that was what I was going to run for the rest of my life, what would I want to play? And it's a scary thought. So if you haven't read that blog post, the chances are you haven't, um, ubiquitousrat.net, and then look up 27th of April. I think I called it something like um, One World Gaming or One one Game World, something like that. can't remember, and I'm not going to look it up. I'm just rittering. Anyway, 
That idea, since I wrote about it, has developed in my mind a great deal over the last few hours. I have been doing chores. I did ironing and I have you know, been wandering around the house and doing bits and bobs. I also had a conversation with Deb about this and it unlocked a few thoughts in my mind as well. Um, one of the problems I had with the initial, the initial idea is that I didn't want to give up on all the genres. And then Deb says to me, why are you so confined by genre? I mean, she pointed out that essentially they're made up by marketeers. The idea of genre in books and things like that is made up so we can sell things. We can put them in a category and people kind of feel safer about buying it. And I don't know if that's entirely true. I don't really know the history of genres, but you get my point. I think, yeah, with these days, they have become a marketing tool. And that hit alongside the thing I've been doing with Hargraves arguing. I think the concept that Arduin gave me, um, we are talking sort of 13 years ago, the seed was planted that in David Hargrave's world, there were no genre boundaries per se. He was all about, you know, mixing it up. Now, these days people go, you know, it's gonzo, as if it was mad, as if he's crazy, as if it's stupid. But I don't think it's stupid. The more I think about it, the more I think that why can't I have a, a world or a universe or whatever that actually contains many possibilities? Um, you know, what are dragons other than an alien species? Um, what are, you know, alien in the sense of different to us? What are dwarves and elves other than a species? And magic, you know, why can't I have that? And spaceships and dragons and all those things. Now, I'm not saying I want to build a world or a universe that contains all of those things. That I, no, I don't want the kitchen sink, you know. But why can't I have some of those things if I want them? And the obvious answer is, if it's my game, there's nothing stopping me doing that. And in fact, the possibilities are kind of limitless. And so I'm allowing myself now to start to brainstorm because I genuinely want to explore this idea. I've also posted into my private MeWe group for the, the, the Friday Night Gamers, you know, a genuine question. Now, when they pick themselves off the floor laugh, you know, from laughing at the idea that I am going to stick to anything for more than, like, six weeks, I still think it's a genuine and impossible, impossible question and an important question. Because when I got into gaming, I got into RuneQuest and I was impressed by the tiny snippet of Glorantha that I had. And I am, these days, I am hugely impressed by Glorantha. But I, it's not my world. And ultimately, it's, it's never going to be my world. And much as I might want to play in it, and I'm happy to like go on excursions into Glorantha, as a DM, as a game master, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can run that world because I don't believe in it enough. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like anybody else's world. I don't really believe in it enough to make it my own forever. I could play in it for a while. I could go and be a player and enjoy that world and, and believe in it enough to play and probably over time believe in it enough. But um, as DM, I, one of the reasons I feel like I don't actually ever really commit to something is because I don't ever really believe in that thing enough. And I think I want to go and create a thing I believe in so that I can keep playing it. And um, that's a challenge. It's an insane idea, I suppose, but 
that's kind of where I'm thinking and I'm sort of setting myself a challenge and I think I'm telling you this I'm talking into my microphone and I know there is an audience and I am telling you this because I kind of want to see if I can hold myself to the discipline of this challenge and that challenge is very simple when I'm going to take a month and I'm going to go and imagine a world and a game that I could run for you know the rest of my life maybe not exclusively but most of the time I described myself a minute ago dungeon master game master I think I always personally preferred Dungeon Master in terms of evocative, but of course it implies genre. And so I'm going to stick with Game Master. And here I am. How arrogant am I as a person to think that I am a master of anything? I'm certainly not a master of a game. Any game. I mean, I know a lot about a lot of games. In that sense, I have a sense of mastery over the hobby of role-playing, I suppose. A level of journeymanship I suppose is what I'd prefer to say rather than mastery but to master something is to take something specific and a set of skills with a specific goal and to become an absolute expert in that thing and I'm kind of thinking could I pick one game and could I build one world and could I become the master of it I don't know but I really want to try really want to try quick late saturday update um looks like the online game is cancelled for another fortnight um basically lots of personal crap going on people busy actually none of the players are available so whilst i thought i was going to be mr flaky turns out that you know i'm the only one available so i guess that's fair enough Oh, gives me time to read, gives me time to prep and plan. I'm starting to think about my own world, which is really actually flipping exciting and really good. So uh, I'm going to chill a bit now with the missus, have some food, and then perhaps later tonight or tomorrow, back to the imagination board. Game on. Well, it's Sunday, it's afternoon, almost evening really. It's been a bit of a mare of a day actually, having suffered a... Oh, just a whole kind of computer hack issue, um, but that's seemingly getting resolved. And um, yeah, that's eaten most of my day, which is pretty disappointing because I was looking forward to doing some hobby. All right, all that aside, um, I'm at the stage really where I'm starting to think about and evaluate um, games for you know this idea of one long campaign for the rest of my life. Um, so I think the stage I'm at is a lot of ideas. I'm sort of getting, I'm allowing my brain to, you know, brainstorm those things out, and they're being recorded um, in notebook I've got, kind of as I go forward, which is really nice. I'm just kind of filling it up. I really want to allow myself a good few weeks to do that, allow my brain to empty of all the kind of cool things that I think are cool and I like. And along the way, I'm going to um, just kind of evaluate a few games. I know that I want to look at. Um, I want to look at several games. I want to look at GURPS. I want to look at Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, especially as the book arrives. Um, I actually want to look at the Fantasy Trip when that arrives. Um, but one of the books I've just pulled off the shelf today that I really, really want to look at is um, Sharp Swords and... Was it Solar Blades and... Uh, Sharp Swords, Sinister Spells, and you've got, like, 
what's it called? Cosmic Blades and whatever it is. Um, Diego Neo, Neo, uh, Diego Neogueras. Oh, crikey, I'm completely butchering that name. His games. Um, I want to look at them because, well, quite frankly, with the three games that I have, and I have all three of his games, I can cover all genres. And I'm wondering if they're interchangeable, so I really want to spend some time on that one as well. Um, I kind of want to look at Dungeon World. I know that. Just mostly to look at the GM advice. Um, and this is the thing. I'm just going to take this process over the next few weeks of kind of just looking at a few games I own and deciding which of those might be worth pursuing in longer term because I don't want to make any snap decisions. You know, if I made a snap decision yesterday, I would have picked GURPS. Um, today, I probably would have picked something completely different. And um, that's that's a dangerous way to go. It's kind of like I'm thinking seriously about building a campaign for the long term. What am I going to play? So I'm going to look at the game zone and, and evaluate them. And some of them I'd like to perhaps bring to the table. I might do that with the guys. I might not. I might do that with some self-play, you know, a little bit of soloing, even proper soloing. Um, I don't know. But I'm, this is where I'm at right now. I'm kind of allowing my mind time. I'm supposed to have a game with the guys on Friday. We kind of vaguely talked about playing Mongoose Traveller 2nd Edition, maybe trying the stuff from the box game, uh, the intro starter set. And kind of still up for that, although obviously I'm not prepped. But we'll see how that goes through the week, because one of the things I definitely want to do on Friday is have a conversation with whomever comes to the table about long term. And I do think that, you know, over the next couple of months, I might want to either invite someone at the table to come and, and GM, uh, someone else to GM short things for a while so that I can get some time, or that I will GM short things, one-off things, largely to test out stuff, or a bit of both, or whatever, but basically to buy myself some time. I really want a month or two to work through what I want to do next before I commit to anything. So that's what I'm up to. Going to go and chill out for the evening and spend some time with the wife as well, which would be lovely, and uh, see where it goes from there. Oh my God, so... The Fantasy Trip Legacy Edition box has just arrived here in the UK. Um, it's the 29th of April. I got home from work and thankfully things at work have kind of resolved themselves. Although, you know, it's been tiring and I'm tired and it's, oh, it's glad the stress is over. When I get to the, the door, there's a note saying, hey, we put the box around the back. So instead of taking it back to the delivery centre, you know, the postman has left it around about, oh, fantastic. Huge box. So I've just had to deconstruct really quickly. I really don't have time to unbox it on air. We would be here for a week. But yeah, um, is this proof that I'm never going to be able to like commit to any one game? I don't know. Actually, the fantasy trip is a fantasy game that I've been wanting to get my hands on and have a go at for a long, long while. I have uh, files from that go way back to the 80s, but I never really kind of had a proper game of it. And uh, with the Legacy Edition coming, I'm really looking forward to giving it a go. I'm hoping the Friday nighters maybe, or at least the kids at school maybe, will be up for some games with it. So, yeah. Ah, fancy trips here. All right, I'll stop blithering because I've got to get changed and get some dinner on and all the rest of it. But hey, fancy trips here. Wednesday morning. I thought I'd better bring you guys up to speed on what's been going on really over the last few days. I uh, obviously at the weekend decided that I would like to challenge myself with this whole idea of kind of one world, one setting, um, and really about thinking about selecting a game that I can play long term and develop and be creative with um, 
as a longer-term prospect, really, because I am personally sick and tired of half-assing everything and starting things and then not, you know, finishing them. Um, it's like I take the easy road, really. Um, and it's been interesting as an experiment, really, over the last few days. Uh, so first of all, in my head, the idea of, like, taking away all of the many myriad of games that I own and kind of paring everything down um, as far as I got on on Saturday, sort of Sunday, was the realization that really genre was um, something that kind of was a limit for me, and I kind of felt very much initially that I'd need to choose um, probably three systems, you know, one for fantasy, one for science fiction, and one for sort of modern or uh, you know real world history kind of horror conspiracy games. Um, that's interesting. That led to a conversation. I had a really interesting conversation with my wife Deborah, who. You know, used to role play, but basically has got bored and fed up with uh, largely the fact that we play fantasy a lot. She's not really a big fan of the whole kind of go down the dungeon, get the treasure, kill the monster stuff. And, uh, you know, but she does like um, story gaming, I guess. That's probably the best way of putting it, really. She likes um, to role play as a because it's an emergent story thing. And she has GM'd. I mean, if we go back to the early 2000s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Deb was GMing. Um, nominally using the alternative role-playing system and then later on using kind of fudge um, which really shows you how, how far back we go uh, this is pre-fate okay so you know using those what are now called fate dice but we're back we're truly fudge dice and um, it's really into that kind of light system that light um, she was able to mold and, and really dice rolls for her were not that necessary. Anyway, uh, I kind of digress because Deb was talking about genre and she was asking, why are you sticking to genre? And of course, it's a valid question, you know, and we, so we've had a lot of discussion about that. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it in an earlier um, kind of entry in this journal, but it really got me thinking and it got me to realise that actually, you know, genre is a limit. It's a, it's a boundary, and, and maybe it's a healthy one, maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, but the thing I, I really, really got thinking about was how, over time, um, genre has been sort of a thing that has kind of like bounded games, bounded rule sets in a lot of ways, bounded the way we think about gaming in the same way we think about novels and the same way we think about films. And, of course those are shortcuts, they're a way of communicating to players, this is kind of what we're playing with, and this is kind of what to expect. And I've become really quite fascinated by the idea that, you know, you could bend genre, or you could meld genre, and you could play around with that, and it would be a lot of fun. So, um, to that end, I, I sort of, I started a, a, an entry... Um, I kind of made a list of all of my values, first of all, as a, as a GM and as a gamer. Um, and it's quite a long list when I started to write it down. There must be perhaps 20 entries on it. The things, the, if you like, the things I believe about role-playing, the things I believe about gaming. Um, a couple of examples, you know, dice should not be fudged. Um, uh, and things like player agency is king for me. I really believe that. Um... People in the universe should have free will. You know, that kind of stuff. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I then started to shut it down and thought for myself, what do I think my players want? 
Now, I have two players who are at the table, and I have two players who might come to the table. Um, so that's an interesting dynamic as well, because there's a part of me that wants to attract those two extra players to make up numbers. But there's a part of me that recognises there are two people at the table, and you know they're already proven, if you like, that they are committed to whatever we're trying to do. And... Um, you know, it's difficult because the, actually those two groups of people have different wants. So the guys at the table, um, they really want, they really like fantasy. Um, they really like kind of the pretty classic D&D-ish experience. One of those players is a massive old school BX kind of fan um, who has, by the way, never played an SF game, it turns out. The other player is someone who, <clears throat> you know, started with a sort of D&D second edition and he stated he would like to play one of three games, 5th edition, Mithras, Classic Fantasy, or Castles and Crusades, and largely because he owns those rule books already. Um, and, and then on the other hand, I've got these two people who might come to the table. Now, one of them I know um, would um, probably want to play a more emergent story, something with more mystery, and I know prefers non-fantasy game. And there's a lot of previously suggested playing systems like Savage Worlds and other lighter rules, probably. Um, him, the background is from wargaming, but skirmish wargaming, from the kind of Inquisitor game from Games Workshop back in the day and things like that. So very much um, somebody who likes the um, investigative, I think, sort of approach. And then, of course, the other person whom I know very well, my wife, who want, also likes mysteries and, and weirdness and, and wants to play, quote, something interesting, unquote, um, without really specifying what that is. And now I know he's anti-fantasy and I know who actually dislikes combat for um, the sake of it, really, um, and who prefers a kind of rules light or would even suggest, you know, do we even need to use rules? Um, well, yeah, we do because it's a game. But, you know, I know where she's coming from. She's... Um, sees a lot of baggage at the table, a lot of delay at the table, and wants to just get on with it. So, my goodness, I have a split party. <laughs> uh, I have a party that's there who wants to play, you know, fantasy, genre, classic-y type games, and I have some people who might want to come to the table, maybe possibly if they could might find the time and if they I could interest them enough, uh, who don't want to do that stuff. So that's where I'm up to right now. I'm in a sort of quandary. And I've, if I'm honest, it's the thing of like, you know, do you play to who's at your table um, or do you try and do what feels like pandering to attract people to the table or do you do something else? And, and of course, at heart, you know, the reality is that um, I probably sit in a very sort of different way of thinking about this right now. And um, I'm talking about genre bending, I'm talking about blending. And in a way I see an opportunity there, but I also feel very edgy and nervous about, you know, promising something <clears throat> that's going to turn into something else. And um, I think, you know, I certainly need to be upfront about the idea that I'm probably going to not smash down the genre boundaries necessarily, but I'm certainly going to push at them a lot and and blend and do something different. The third thing I've been doing is I've been making um, a list on, well, already two lists. There's a list of ideas when it comes to 
story structures and potential rule sets, which I see as sort of two elements of the of the, the sort of holy trinity in gaming. And I'm thinking I've spoken about this before in the main podcast. You know, I believe that the, the game is made up of the rules, and then there are some story structures, game structures. Sorry, uh, that kind of like how we go about doing things. They basically tell us, you know, what the characters are supposed to be doing and how the players can do it. And then the third thing is the actual world itself. And I use the word world because I think it's um, better than the term setting. I think a world implies something alive and real. Uh, (laughs) There's a word for you. Um, I want a high degree of verisimilitude and um, a setting feels to me like something that you put a a movie or a, a TV series in, in which has little depth um except with that which grows over time um for me i think a world yeah is going to grow over time it's going to have depth over time but i also think it needs to have some strong verisimilitude from the word go it has to have a sense of depth um from the word go and um how we go about doing that is obviously very um interesting but anyway, so I've made two lists. I've got um, additional lists, if you like. I've got this ideas list, which is about... It's got stuff like, you know, with the game structures. I mean, there's there's only really four, maybe five of those that you could talk about. So that's pretty straightforward. And I want to use them. Um, but there are bits and pieces that I want to steal. So I've been thinking about game engine. I suppose this is more the gamey stuff. It's about, like, which game systems. And it was really weird. I, I actually spent some time um, looking at um, Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells. Um, I think that's right, and um, I love that. I really like that game. And Diego, if you're listening, you know um, I can't imagine you would be, but if you were, you know it's a great game. I really like. It. I really like your book, um, but I didn't get very far before I realised that um, it's not. Whilst the genre, genre, here we go back to that. The idea of kind of star fantasy really appeals to me. I really like that, um, but there were two kind of things that I got uncomfortable with. One of which was the you, I, I don't know. I kind of want to treat it more seriously, um, less comic-y, I suppose. Um, I'm not a fan of comic books. I've never been really big time into, you know, um, even graphic novels and stuff like that. I prefer the dark stuff, (laughs) you know. Um, But, and it kind of felt a bit like we're putting our tongue firmly in our cheek. um, And I want to treat star fantasy a little bit more seriously i'd I'd like to blend harder science fiction uh, harder science really um to some degree and bend that and warp that with really quite surprising and interesting and unpredictable magical things and um treat those things perhaps seriously uh, as if like to ask the question you know what well what if these you know these things were real um so that's something in there and um I realised that also the game as well, it being kind of light, um, I realised that it was a lot of things that were kind of baked into um, Diego's vision of Star Fantasy. Um, and I suddenly, it just struck me. I mean, it's not like a, a criticism or anything of the game because it just it's just a thing that kind of sparked me. So Diego, I kind of owe you for clarifying something in my mind. And that simple thing was this. I think I need a toolkit. Instead of like a game off the shelf, kind of that's the way you know it's going to be. I've, I feel like I need a toolkit, and that's what's been sort of 
really at heart kind of causing me conflict over a long, long period of time. In one sense, I'm looking for uh, a game that exists and which has like all of the things I want in a great game, which obviously, you know, I haven't written it. So it's, I'm never going to find that because some other game designer is never going to think the way I do. I mean, quite rightly, you know, because, you know, I'm insane. Um, but actually what I need is a toolkit. And that's why I collect games like GURPS and why I kind of like Savage Worlds and why I liked um, What's Old is New, Wine. Um, and why, in a lot of ways, I liked Mithras, or I like Mithras, is because, you know, it offers uh, options. There are four or five, there's four magic systems in the Mithras game. If you add classic fantasy, you get all of the Gygaxian stuff as a fifth. And I like that kind of toolkit feel of like you could build your world and you could do those things. Um, and it's sort of halfway to a proper toolkit. I used to really like the hero system. Um, I actually have abandoned it and, and sold off all of my books. And believe me, I owned everything that was in the, the fifth edition of that game. Um, well, the sixth edition of that game as well. Um, but um, actually, uh, I, it was to, sort of too much um, like build it from scratch. Um, the game that I, I guess in many ways has appealed to me the most and which I've actually been looking at in the last couple of days on and off is GURPS um, and and it's because it's a 3d6 roll low it's quite a simple game but it's a toolkit and the problem I have of course is that my players they they look at a toolkit and they freak out so I have to go and use the toolkit to build the thing I want if I'm going to stand any chance of kind of appealing to them at the table. And so I'm back to the challenge because I think, um, I think I'm right. On Sunday, I, I spoke about this idea of going away and building, like spending a month working on an idea and perhaps doing a game that was a pitch for that idea that kind of like, you know, actually run a scenario so rather than sort of sitting at a table and saying, hey, I've got this idea, what do you think? And then maybe half understanding it. Going away for a month, building an adventure that actually, you know, a, a game ready to go, a, a kind of a pilot, if you like, of, uh, I hate using the movie term, but you know what I mean? Um, a pilot, if you like, of the, of, the, um, of the setting, of the world, of the game that you're looking at doing, which would demonstrate two or three things. So... It would demonstrate what characters are like and what they do, give the players an experience of you know what they would do and how they do it, and give a flavour of the world that um, you know I'm thinking about. Maybe get show some aspects of it without you know going too deep, um, and give them a taste of the system, a way of having a go at playing that particular game system. Now the challenge, I mean, ultimately, I don't think, I don't know if I would actually be able to do this at all, but to go and do that over three um, consecutive ideas, um, I think would be a really powerful challenge and it would actually really help me clarify what it is that um, I like, but also I think having pitched out three different scenarios to the players would give them something to choose from that's tangible. Like, I really enjoyed that game because, and I like that game because. And there's a part of me that thinks if I did do that, if I went away over the next three months and did three games over three months, um, that actually 
there would probably be things from all of those those three games that they liked, and um, you know, but it would make an informed choice, and that's kind of where I'm at as I sit here this morning. I'm at the point where I'm thinking that's kind of what I've got to do. And what's useful to remember, of course, is that you know, if I build um, a world and I run it with a particular set of game structures and I run it with a particular set of rules, it is possible to unplug um, those different elements. So, for example, if I was to run a game that had a very strong fantasy feel and a fantasy world and I used, um, instead of using like dungeon crawl game structure, I used a mystery structure um, and I used the Savage Worlds game system it would not be difficult if the guys kind of turned around and said, well, we really like the mystery and we really like the world, but we do not keen on Savage Worlds. It's not difficult to unplug the rules and plug in another set of rules. Um, or, for example, if they did like Savage Worlds, but they didn't really like the fantasy game, but they liked the mystery, to unplug the world and put in a different world. You know, you see, hopefully you can see where I'm going with this in terms of my thinking. And I think I kind of owe it to myself to run... Um, some games perhaps using three different toolkits uh, in three different worlds with three different game structures um, and actually give the guys an experience of different types of game but of course I could just be mad I could just be entirely insane I don't know anyway after mirbling on that for what's been far too long <laughs> I think I better go to work I don't know am I crazy Thursday morning. So yesterday, I was in touch with one of the players who's, you know, toying with coming back, thinking about coming back to the table. Um, and it turns out that the earliest that he'll arrive is sort of the end of May. And um, that's when it kind of struck me. That's when it kind of hit me that I have two players at the table right now. And I think a while ago, I started to express this view that the people at the table make decisions about the game. So what I meant was that the the GM and then the players who attend, they're the ones who, you know, pretty much decide what we're going to be doing and where we're going. Player agency, for me, pretty much exists at the table. Obviously, there's like conversation between games away from the table. But what I mean in terms of principle here is that, you know, if you were there last Friday and you're coming next Friday, then, you know, you're part of that decision making. And in fact, as a player, I mean, I really expect my players to you know, use their agency and decide where they're going within the game. But I think that also extends to you know, the meta issues, the issue of like what game we're playing and what setting we want to play in and what rules we want to use to some degree. I think the GM ultimately has to decide what they're comfortable running and, and doing. But for me, I think it's really important that the players you know, have their say because in the end, I'm here to serve them. I mean, without players, you know, there is no game. If I want to be utterly selfish and run the game I want to play, then I can do that solo. <laughs> If I've got other people in the room, then obviously there's an element of adaptation. This is a communal thing. It's a team sport, not like an individual thing. And I think that um, 
I'm really pleased to have realized this in the last sort of 24 hours again, really come back to that thought that I've got two guys who are coming and they're regularly coming and they're promising to come in and they're committed to the part of the team. They have given themselves a stake and that's not a judgment on anybody else is to say that these two people are committed and are coming and want to be part of this. And they are also communicating with me. They were at the table last time and they're communicating with me now about what they want to do next time. And so they have the loudest voice, I think. What I'm hearing from them, and one of the guys has, even before I re I previously ran some Castles and Crusades, as I began that game, voiced the opinion that he would like to return to classic fantasy, Mithras classic fantasy. And at the time I was kind of nervous because I had a new player at the table and I also had a different player who, um, for whom complexity, if you like, uh, or at least apparent complexity, was a problem. Reality is that Mithras Classic Fantasy is, yeah, it's a crunchier game. <laughs> you know, the BX, I mean, goodness me, most games are crunchier than BX. But um, it isn't actually that complicated, um, most of the stuff. Like in most, uh, you know, more comp complex is not the right word. In Even crunchy, I don't like as a word. In games that have more detail, then obviously a lot of that's up front um, in character creation. The actual mechanics of the game of Mithras is roll d100s equal to or less than your, your score. Not a problem. Um, and the classic fantasy module that Rod Leary wrote, and which I know I've been involved with for about three years now, four years, something like that, um, has is you know, a really good adaptation of classic fantasy uh, tropes, Gygaxian, Dungeons and Dragons, I suppose, I mean, ported over into, you know, what was the RuneQuest engine, you know, from Steve Perrin. And if you've read my article, I wrote a while ago now about in my apologia for Mythos Classic Fantasy, then you know what I'm coming from. If you haven't, you know, it's on ubiquitousrat.net, so go look. I am, um, I've come to the conclusion, I think what I'm trying to get to is, Come to the conclusion that returning to classic fantasy is kind of what my guys want. Um, the other guy who's never played it, uh, but who's a you know a classic uh, sort of D and D fan, massive fan of BX, um, has expressed a willingness to give it a go and an interest in giving it a go. And also because it is the classic fantasy trope, I can kind of see that you know he would feel comfortable with that. I think so. I'm hearing them want fantasy genre, please. I'm hearing them want um, something that I like a lot. So what about the other two players? Well, as I said, one of them has said, expressed the view that you know it can't be at the table till the NMA at the earliest, and even then that's a possibility, not a definite thing. And, and to be honest with you, um, while I love the guy deeply, I really like him, he's a really good guy, um, I can't... I can't make decisions based on a maybe, really. That's unfair to the other guys. And then there's my wife. And talking to Deb, and she won't want to play fantasy. But what she's saying to me, really, was yesterday was that uh, her view was, if there was something interesting at the table, if there was something that interested her at the table, then she would come along and join in. Um, but again, there's no sort of... She's not really committing to coming and playing part of it as part of the game and, and team long term. She's kind of thinking, oh, if there's something interesting, I'll come along and play. Um, so I think where Deb would be, and we, we got to this last night, is if I ran a 
a one-off game in something that was interesting, she'd like to come play that for a session or two or three. Um, but the reality is that she's probably not going to come back to the table uh, for long term, unless it was you know, utterly compelling to her. And that won't be if that's fantasy. And given that the other two main guys want to play fantasy, you know, it's it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? Logically, I have to serve those guys, and and I'm happy to serve those guys. And for me, fantasy gaming is fun. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm at the point of, I think on Friday, it's about confirming this. I think I need to sit at the table and talk it through with them, make sure they're happy, and that could change. You know, we... I mean, I'm very flexible on system here, but I think we're coming to the fantasy genre. Um, and then once I've got that decision on Friday, I can go away and work on the world. Which brings me to my second set of thoughts, which is about what to do, because it's been expressed to me, you know, we like Misdemeer, that's a great setting. And it is, it's cool. But it's not entirely mine. I think I've expressed this view before, because of the publishing history with... Uh, the design mechanism, and because some of my couple of my modules, which come from Mr. Mirror, are out there, it's obviously coloured by certain um, assumptions, world assumptions that are not quite where I want to do right now. So there are some things in that I'd like to. If I did Mr. Mirror, I'd have to tweak it and change it. It'd be a lot of retconning, and in some respects, it's easier for me to sort of start from scratch. Um, but I don't know. So I'm, I'm I'm going to talk again to the guys on Friday. It might be that we agreed to play in Mr. Mir, which for me would give me a great head start because you know there's maps and things. But I'm going to be really clear about I'm going to change a lot of things. Um, and I want also to talk to them about genre flexibility. So whilst we're talking broadly a fantasy base, I want to be able to you know, bring in things that are Hargravian, that are um, Arnesonian. Um, I don't want to stick to the, uh, purely to the classical fantasy Gygaxian tropes. So um, I want flexibility there, genre-wise. And um, I'm hoping, again, the guys will give that to me. So there we are, that's where we're at. Is it going to be classic fantasy? Is it going to be in a new revitalize Mr. Mir or will it be a new world altogether? I don't know. What I do know is that it's time for me to go to work. So Friday night was interesting. Had a really interesting discussion with my two players, um, Ian and Andy, and um, we've made some decisions. It's amazing, really. It really makes me chuckle. <laughs> it just does. So we had a long discussion um, and very quickly decided, yes, fantasy genre game. So no problem. Longer discussion about rules. And I put it to them that I really am quite flexible. Once we got talking about that flexibility... The conversation quite quickly came around to the conclusion that they would like to play Castles and Crusades. <laughs> so after having spent a couple of weeks basically wondering what we're going to do and wandering around, we've come full circle. They decided they quite liked to play an old-style D&D type game. And they agreed that Castles and Crusades is a pretty solid game. 
And we talked about the merits of playing classic fantasy, which very appealing. Um, but in the end, they wanted something that was not too demanding on a Friday night in terms of intellect. Um, I think what they mean is, you know, they want to focus on the story and or the emergent story, I suppose, to be more precise, and the and the setting, and they don't want to be having, you know, highly complicated combat scenes and worrying too much about what's on the character sheet. But on the other hand, because we also talked about BX, we talked about first and second edition D and D, we talked about third edition D and D actually along the way, um, and we talked about GURPS, and we talked about a number of other sort of little ideas and games, and at the end of it. It came down to um, a kind of medium crunch. <laughs> um, Ian likes that Castle Crusades has enough options and enough little bits of detail that you feel like you're making progress. Um, you know, as opposed to like say BX, where there isn't very much that changes level to level. And and he's already playing in a first edition D and D game and sort of fancied the feel of first edition but not necessarily wanting to play those rules and so yeah it's castles and crusades and i talked a little bit about wanting to genre bend which i think you know it's been it's okay they're happy with that idea um and i talked a little bit about you know the various things that um I'd like to be able to slip in there my Hargravian influences, I suppose, you know, from laser pistols to weird monsters to gates to other dimensions and all that kind of stuff, which is great. So at least that's out there. Um, I think we'll start with a fairly sort of familiar D&D uh, &D world type thing, but as I said, the further you go from the starting point, you should expect a little bit more weirdness. I shared with them a copy of the Principia Apocrypha, which is an old school resource which I came across off the back of the current um, Old School Essentials campaign, which Gavin Norman's running. I think inside the basic rules for Old School Essentials, which, by the way, you can get for free on drive through RPG, um, in the first page or so, there's a couple of sort of pointers that it points you to the Old School Primer by Matt Finch, but also to a thing called Principia Apocrypha, which I hadn't come across, and which is so good as a nice summary about old-school gaming principles that I actually had some copies printed up. And so I gave him each copy, and we kind of flipped through it, and I drew their attention to the player section at the back of that. There's a couple of pages on advice to players. And I guess what I was trying to do, or I know what I was trying to do, is, is sort of say this is some of the things you should expect. So that's good. The guys have decided they would very much like to try and roll up um, and run a couple of characters at a time to have a wider party, um, as there's only two of them at the table, and to bring some survivability. We talked about the idea of rolling up multiple characters, actually, and having a couple in the stable background as well, so that they can quickly swap them out. So that's led to the decision that we are going to start playing um, on Friday the 31st of, of um, May. Friday the 31st of May, crikey. Um, just a month or so, just under a month, and um, next week, two weeks time, we're going to do characters together. So my job is really to come up with um, uh, a broad kind of proposal and outline, put it to them over the next two weeks, 
which I think I could probably draw up a basic outline this weekend and then get some kind of, you know, initial document to them um, within the two weeks. And then after characters created, it gives me then another two weeks to um, flush out and get things ready for a session. So that's the plan. I'm pretty chuffed about it, actually. I'm pretty happy with that as a decision. Um, and I feel like it's perhaps the first time um, in a, uh, it's certainly if not, certainly not recently, but certainly the first time in a long, long, long while that a frank and honest conversation was had. One of the most interesting things was that I sort of threw, uh, made it a session zero, and um, I think I even said so. And I drew on my, um, some of the advice from the angry GM um, about that, which was really to try and focus on some of the past games that the guys had enjoyed the most try and get to some of the past moments that they enjoyed the most or some of the things. And there were a number of themes that came out. So one of them was that actually the best games were the games which weren't sort of structured uh, as stories and they weren't the games that had like a kind of firm sense of adventure. They were, in fact, the games where the players were able to do pretty much whatever and the game kind of progressed uh, on a continuous timeline, really, um, where they were able to do and follow the goals that they want. In other words, the games that had a very high level of player agency and in which the GM wasn't particularly um, driving uh, issues of pace or issues of kind of direction. In fact, they kind of like often dealt with, some of these things dealt with quite mundane you know, building a camp and making an area secure and playing through that whole process and problem solving that whole process, for example, was one memory. And another was in sort of running games where there were um, potentially many multiple challenges that were kind of, um, you know, kind of playing off each other and the guys had to decide which way to go. So all in all, a really, really productive a few hours and then after that we played a game of um the fantasy trips malay game so if you don't know the fantasy trip is steve jackson's games um pretty much most recent role-playing release it's the game that in 1977 first got released uh by meta gaming i think it was uh, steve jackson's first kind of role-playing game it started with a box set called melee and then there's a little box set called wizard and then the whole thing kind of comes together with a uh, a book called into the labyrinth um and so you start with a gladiatorial skirmish game called melee and a kind of wizards dueling game called wizard the two can be played together which is interesting and then um into the labyrinth takes that and puts it into sort of dungeon adventuring and wilderness adventuring and really makes the thing a role-playing game it was in its day a very, very popular game. And it is in its day a game that if Steve Jackson had basically retained the rights, we probably would never have had GURPS because I think it's what evolved the ideas in that game got kind of represented and evolved into GURPS, the game which some of us know and love. <laughs> anyway, we had a good time with it. Andy and Ian played each other a couple of games. I sort of ran it and read the rules and we had a few sticky points where we were learning and it was difficult 
Uh, not, not difficult because the games are really simple, but you know there's some interesting concepts in there. And it is an incredibly tactical game. It was very exciting and interesting. And even watching people play was fun. I think that I'm going to take Malay to school on Tuesday and run the kids through it. You can have, like, I could easily have eight players around the table playing one big gladiatorial combat and it would be, you know, two sides or whatever and it would be a lot of fun. Um, so that's that's a thought. And at the end of the evening, we, um, you know, we're talking kind of coming up to midnight by the time we finished. It was a good session. Um, people said the guy seemed pretty happy. So we don't know if anybody else will come and play with us, but we're going to game together. And I've got a fancy world to build and we're going to play Garson Crusades. So game on. That's it for another GM's Journal episode. As always, please let me know what you think and drop me an anchor voice message to share your response. My goal is to create a community of discovery about role-playing games in which you can feel accepted, whether as a player or as a game master. Come and join the conversation. In the meantime, all that's left is to wish you a fond farewell and all the best at your gaming table. My name is Che Webster, and this has been a Roleplay Rescue GM's Journal episode. See you again on the flip side. Game on.